This is episode 17 of the Music Therapy Chronicles podcast with Ami Kunimura. And we can see this with our patients, the power of music, but we need to remember that that power of music is also influencing us. And sometimes that power of music, it might not be something that's refueling us, but that power of music can sometimes be somewhat overwhelming and something that we do need to learn to diffuse when we need to. For example, like after a session, we need to learn how to ground ourselves again or be able to do something to take care of ourselves so that we're not um, giving every single bit of energy to work and not saving some for ourselves. You're listening to the Music Therapy Chronicles, a podcast about music therapy from a variety of perspectives. Our ambition is to inspire and connect listeners through meaningful conversations, just like a music therapy conference you can listen to anywhere. My name is Trisha Kayati, and I am a board-certified music therapist from the New England region. If you like what you hear, join our group on Facebook and share your own insights and thoughts about the episodes. You can also connect with us on social media and online at Music Therapy Chronicles. Welcome back to the Music Therapy Chronicles podcast. This week's episode is the remainder of my conversation with Ami Kunimura. We talk more specifically about self-care in this episode. If you haven't listened to my previous episode with her, please go back and do that. It'll give some more um, insight about some of the things she refers to in this episode because in last week's episode, she talks about her personal journey through burnout and how she found her way to self-care and ways in which why why self-care is so important um, for us and any helping professions. If you're enjoying the podcast, please let us know by writing a review on iTunes or following us on social media, engaging there. Please use our Facebook group to start conversations about the episodes, hear what other people are thinking, ask questions, share your own insight, anything like that. And also, the Music Therapy Chronicles has a Patreon page. If you are unfamiliar with Patreon, it's a platform where you can financially support creators or organizations or anything that you like what they're doing in the world. You can pledge to give a donation one time, every month, whatever you're comfortable with. Uh, And so that would be really appreciated if you feel inclined to use that way to support the podcast. All right, please enjoy our self-care conversation. And it's really admirable that you took your thesis and thought, how can I make this more uh, user-friendly? How can I make this make a bigger impact? And that's really great. Yeah, thank you. And I think that was important to me because at that time I started feeling like, again, there were just certain things I felt like I didn't get as a new professional that I really should have. And that the number one thing was education on self-care and my ebook. And I'm so happy that it's been well-received and it's even become like a required text in undergraduate programs. And, you know, I, 
I initially thought this is what I needed as a new professional, but now what I'm realizing is that I should have learned this when I was an undergraduate, like even before internship, because I now even work with people who are experiencing burnout as an intern. And that's something to pay attention to. And so I've sort of made it my personal mission, you know, to get this conversation into the places where it needs to be. And that's in undergraduate programs, that's in continuing education. I try to present at every conference every year. And I have seen this conversation grow. And I do hope it helps other music therapists to talk about this with each other. And I mean, even if this happens in a conversation between two music therapists, just casually, just to bring this up is really helpful. And that it's not something that we're like, you know, hiding from each other or, you know, are worse even hiding from ourselves because I do think the nature of our work, um, it puts us at risk for burnout because we are able to be in these beautiful musical spaces with clients, whatever that might look like for each one of us. But these musical spaces can be very intimate. They can be very emotional. And that can require a lot of the music therapist. It requires your presence. It requires your patience. It sometimes requires you to face certain things about yourself or remind, remind you of your own pain or your own hardships. And that doesn't have to be a bad thing. Um, you know, it's something that is worth exploring, but I think it's something that we do need to pay attention to because, you know, when we are working with the power of music, which we are, and, you know, we can use this as advocacy and we can see this with our patients, the power of music, but we need to remember that that power of music is also influencing us. And sometimes that power of music, it might not be something that's refueling us, but that power of music can sometimes be somewhat overwhelming and something that we do need to learn to diffuse when we need to. For example, like after a session, we need to learn how to ground ourselves again or be able to do something to take care of ourselves so that we're not um, giving every single bit of energy to work and not saving some for ourselves. So what tips do you have for during the day, ways to ground, ways to recenter, ways to bring that self-care into our daily lives between sessions? Yeah, that's a great question. So um, I do recommend before going to work or before a session, just grounding yourself very quickly. And you can I'll just walk you through this right now. So easy way to ground is just feeling both feet on the floor and like even just thinking like I'm thinking my feet are touching the floor. Like that's a grounding thought because it means your feet like front, for example, right now, my feet are touching the floor of a building. The building is connected to the earth. The earth is connected to everything else. And so it doesn't feel like I'm just like floating in space. So wherever I'm grounded, I'm touching I'm touching something and my feet are steady. Then what can help is like just using your imagination and using some imagery. What I like to do is picture a tree and just imagining like it could be your favorite tree that you've seen somewhere. Or it could be just a made up imaginary tree. But the image of a tree can be grounding because you can focus on like the trunk of a tree and a steady tree in nature. Imagine the roots of the tree. 
just like spreading through the ground. The roots are there to keep it grounded. It keeps it steady in the earth, but the roots are there to bring nourishment up to the tree too. And the tree itself is a powerful symbol of something in nature that's there. It's growing slowly. It's something that's what we can think of as being patient. It's something that can be nurturing, but something that needs nurtured and nutrients too, just like us. And then taking a deep breath in and exhaling. So grounding, it can be as simple as that. And, you know, you can sit there with your feet on the ground and your eyes closed for a little bit if you can. Um, But sometimes you don't have the time to do that. Sometimes in between clients, we have time to like just kind of snap back in our body, take a deep breath in, exhale. But something like that is better than nothing. And so the beginning of the day, I do recommend um, grounding. I recommend getting hydrated, but really like, um, you know, I... (laughs) What I like to look at music therapists as is like, what if we treated ourselves like professional athletes do? Because we sort of are. And what I mean by that is that we need our body to function properly to be a music therapist that functions properly. Like we have a very physical job. And if we're not taking care of our bodies, we can develop things like um, tendonitis, we can strain our voices, we can hurt our backs, and we need to be very careful about how we're treating our bodies. Our bodies are our most valuable instrument that we are working with. And so when we can give it the proper nutrients and hydration in the morning and the um, just the proper just like energetic support with your own just with your own presence and ways to do that is like with meditation maybe just like what I do is I set my timer on my phone for 11 minutes and I force myself to sit there for 11 minutes before doing anything and that for me mostly means before checking my email is where my workday starts and sometimes for those 11 minutes my brain is just thinking about all kinds of stuff jumping all over sometimes i can keep it calm sometimes you know i'm trying to focus on my breathing but regardless of what's going on in my head i sat there with myself for 11 minutes and that puts my day in perspective of or in the perspective of you know it's me who it's me who's doing the work And I need to be able to honor myself as that. Again, like if we looked at ourselves as a professional athlete, we need to realize how much we're demanding of our bodies, of our brains, and of our own creativity, too. You must have read my mind because I was (laughs) thinking about on your website, you have a book club. And the current book yeah. is Why We Sleep. Just as a side yes. note, that's been on my list of books to read forever. So there's another reason to read it. Um, but so what other things do people overlook? You know, I think of sleep, diet, exercise. You mentioned hydration, things like that. Yeah. So um, oh, sleep is so important. And it is overlooked a lot. And I would say out of all of those things, sleep is the most important if we're going to, you know, prioritize things. But I guess, you know, another thing that does get overlooked 
is our own relationship with music. And so, um, I mean, I do see music therapists paying attention to, you know, their involvement with music and being able to play music in their own time and maybe writing their own songs or, you know, doing music recreationally, whatever that means for someone. But what sometimes gets overlooked is our own relationship with music and what that's looking like at any given moment. And what I like to compare this to is, you know, uh, our relationship with music is so important because as music therapists, usually our love for music is what helped us even decide to be a music therapist in the first place. And oftentimes our love for music will evolve or it likely will. So, you know, when we're a student and we're studying music theory, like music will start to sound different because you have a different way of perceiving music with this certain knowledge. Then when we become professional music therapists, our love for music can change too because it's starting to become work and it's becoming associated with work. And so our relationship with music sort of depends on how we're thinking about music and how we're feeling about music. And so if we're starting to feel like music is work or it's a burden or it's hard or music is something I give to other people and it becomes less personal, we can start to lose touch with the love of music that brought us into music therapy to in the first place. And sometimes what that can lead to is loss. And it's almost like a breakup or like, you know, if you're ever been like ghosted by someone who stopped communicating with you or something like that can happen with music. And this does need to be a relationship that needs to be nurtured. And, you know, it's almost like, like a romantic relationship or a marriage. Like it does take effort and energy to maintain a healthy relationship. It takes communication. It takes making time for each other, but it also means working through some of the hard parts of it too. And, you know, when a relationship does hit like a rough spot, there is a certain healing that needs to happen. And, you know, when our relationship with music hits a rough spot, and that can mean neglecting music, or again, the way we think or feel about music, not having it be so positive anymore. Sometimes we can experience that as a loss. And sometimes we can experience that loss as grief. And sometimes we might not be realizing that that's happened, that we're grieving our loss of love for music. And that's something to get used to. And it's not something that's like super awful. It means that we'll never love music again. What it means that we, we, it means that we need to sort of get back on track and reevaluate our relationship with music and redefine what it is. It's not going to be what it is, what it was before. And that's okay. And just like in like some marriages are like that too. Like if you hit a certain spot and maybe you need to redefine what the relationship is and how it's going to work and what the roles are within the relationship. Same thing with music. It's going to change as we mature, as we get older, as our work life changes and it's something that we do need to pay attention to. And so, again, not just what we're doing with music, but our internal process with it, too. And if we are experiencing a certain amount of grief or loss with music, what that means is we need to pay attention to it. And I would recommend um, you know, bringing something like that into therapy or clinical supervision and having someone else help support you 
in figuring out what those feelings are about because it's some things are just so hard to see on our own or figure out on our own. Yeah, you can't see the forest through the trees, right? Yes. That's one of my yes. favorite ones. Exactly. So you've probably answered this question or given this answer, I should say, several times. But what would you say to someone who has difficulty justifying making time mm-hmm. for self-care? Yeah. So first of all, it's when you don't have this time for self-care that's actually when you need it the most. So it's when you're so busy, you're like, I really don't have time to uh, to rest or take a nap. I don't have time to get enough sleep or whatever. And it's okay. Well, that's the time when you need self-care the most. Now, we also need to remember, though, self-care doesn't have to take a lot of time. And sometimes it doesn't have to take extra time at all. And so there are certain periods in a person's life where there really won't be a lot of time for self-care. These, um, you know, these times are, you know, if you're a new parent or if you are starting a new job somewhere or if you have a really big project going on, if you're working on like, you know, if you are in school and you're working or, you know, there might be these, these certain life events that happen that really take up a lot of time. And if there isn't time for self-care during those times, that can be okay as long as it's temporary. Because, you know, these life events, you know, a lot of them can be really exciting too. And they can be fun and even enjoyable to just be all in and not have to worry so much about taking care of yourself as long as you have some type of maybe plan to take care of yourself after. But, you know, again, self-care doesn't have to take a lot of time. So if there really, really isn't time for self-care, then I would recommend focusing on self-care practices that don't take a lot of time. So some examples of this would be being nice to yourself when you make a mistake. So if you don't have time to do extra stuff, concentrate on what you're already doing. And that's what we're always doing is talking to ourselves in our head and having these internal dialogues. And so working on having kinder and more patient and more gentle internal dialogues with yourself. So you know, especially if you're making a mistake, made a mistake somewhere, or, you know, if you're struggling somewhere in your life, just being careful of how you're talking to yourself about it is a huge act of self-care. And that's one of the biggest things that I would recommend to people, especially if you don't have time for self-care. But I would also recommend if you don't have time for self-care, to really question that assumption. Again, maybe if you're like a new mom or a new dad or something, like I'm going to let you off the hook here. But most of us don't have enough time. Most of us are busy. Most of us have so much to do on any given day. And we do need to be careful about how we're managing our time and how we are giving away our time and how we're giving in to a belief that there's not enough time. And, you know, one way I would challenge people to look at how much time you have is to actually look at how much time you spend scrolling on your phone. And we seem to be able to make time for that, of to look at Instagram or Facebook. And these are not bad things. Like um, social media can be very useful, but we seem to be able to make time to do that. And, 
you know, it's like, even if you have just three or five minutes somewhere, maybe instead of scrolling through your phone during that time, taking that to yourself, um, whatever that might mean, means sitting quietly to yourself, going out of your way, like for yourself or, um, you know, stopping to like get a glass of water or something. But, um, you know, fitting self-care into these small spaces are often necessary. And if that's all we have to work with, then do that. But I would recommend trying to fit self-care into those small spaces that are usually filled with social media and starting there. And again, social media is not like a super bad thing or, um, you know, it can be very useful and helpful. It can be a good way to connect with others, but it can be just like this go-to reflex of whenever we have a spare moment. And instead of giving it away and putting your attention outward, practice bringing it inward once in a while. That's really great advice. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Are you ready to move into some rapid fire questions? Yes, I'll be happy to. Awesome. Coffee or tea? Tea, definitely. I don't do well with coffee. Um, I'm really sensitive to caffeine, even the caffeine that's in tea. But um, tea, I feel like it's easier to control like a dosage of caffeine. Like you can, um, I'll drink like green tea once in a while. My favorite tea is kombucha. I just love kombucha. It's one of my favorite things to drink. But coffee, my body just does not do well with. And I do feel like I'm missing out a little bit on that. Coffee smells good. It does taste good. But my body says no to coffee, unfortunately. Early bird or night owl? Night owl. So it takes me it takes me a little while to wake up in the morning for my brain to like boot up. I'm not like a good conversationalist, right? When I wake up, I usually like groggy for like an hour, but at night my brain can think clearly. Um, that's when I like talking to people or engaging with people. That's when I can be creative. And, um, actually that sleep book that was, um, that we're reading in the book club, Why We Sleep. It's so interesting. It made me feel so much better about being a night owl because I used to, especially being a business owner, I had this thought like, you know, I need to wake up early and start to get things done and feel productive right away. And you hear about, you know, other business owners waking up at like four in the morning and like exercising and all this stuff. And I like tried to do that. It was so difficult for me. And again, that thought came up like, is something wrong with me? Like, am I not motivated? But then in this book, it says, you know, a lot of us are genetically predisposed to a certain um, temperament or like to being a night owl or to being an early bird. And I think he said like 30% of the population are early birds. Um, another 30% are like night owls. And there's other people who are in between. But it's it so interesting. He said there was like a there's an evolutionary advantage to this. And he said, you know, back in the times when we were, you know, the caveman days we were living around like a campfire and we we're living more like in clans. He said it was it helped our survival because it meant the whole group wasn't sleeping at the same time because that would not be safe. And so, you know, like a third of the group would be up later at night and they could watch out for the rest of the community. Then there would be a small period where maybe everyone was sleeping and then there would be a small um, or like a 30% of the group who would wake up earlier and then it was their turn to watch out so that made me feel like a lot better like okay like I can 
be okay now being a night owl and not having to expect myself to wake up super early and be like on right away. Yeah. Something that you would tell your younger self. Oh, I love that question. Uh, I think I would, I would say don't be so hard on yourself. I still need to tell myself that. And, you know, I can even like going through my story earlier, like there are so many points in my life where where I hit struggle. My initial response was to just be hard on myself or my first thought would be like, what's wrong with me or how can I be doing better? But, you know, just not being so hard on myself and allowing myself to either be weak if I was feeling weak at the time, but also allowing my strengths to shine through. And I've been trying to work on this more lately of, you know, being able to go through my day and just be happy of where I am. And not only just happy about where I am, but proud of myself for being in this place in my work, in my life right now. And there's always reason to be hard on ourselves because there's you know, any given thing we could be doing better or more. But, you know, how about just trying to be satisfied once in a while, I think is one thing I'm trying to do with myself. Yeah. Well said. Your music therapy elevator speech. Oh, yeah. This has changed over the years, especially now that I'm running the self-care institute and I'm I'm not so much trying to get clients into my private practice, but I feel now more like an advocate for music therapy in general. So my elevator speech has switched to being more general, starting general and then getting specific. It used to be starting specific and then getting general. And so, for example, right now it would be like, I'd say, so music therapy is a health profession and music therapists are credentialed professionals. And I have my master's degree in music therapy, but I'm not all music therapists do. You can also get your bachelor's degree and there's also PhD programs in music therapy and music therapists work in all types of settings. And so you have music therapists working in medical hospitals and rehabilitation, but music therapists also work in schools or in private practice. And there are music therapists who work in all different types of populations, like you know, with people with Alzheimer's or children with autism or people with developmental delays. But uh, my specialty is working in mental health. And um, I run a private practice where I contract with either mental health um, facilities, trauma programs, or in addiction treatment programs. And I use music as a creative modality to help clients deal with the struggle that they're dealing with and to help them approach it in a creative way that they might not be able to see if they're just talking about it with words. But I give them different types of creative tools to to help them get through life, whatever that might mean for them. You know, I've worked with people in addiction who have hit rock bottom. And in those cases, we use music to help generate hope within them. And if music can, you know, give them even a teeny tiny bit of hope and get them in touch with, you know, who who they see as 
their support or who they see themselves as, as a human being, even a little bit of hope and a little bit of seeing their potential can make a difference in their day. But I've also worked with, um, you know, children who are dealing with mental health issues such as depression and anxiety. And in those situations, we work on helping, helping them with their self-esteem, using music to help them develop their voice, both um, literally and metaphorically, and helping them understand themselves and their identity and you know music can be such a powerful force to help us get to know each other to help us get to know ourselves to help us connect with each other but most of all music can help us not feel alone in this world and when we are able to realize that we're not the only person going through what we're going through sometimes it can help give us some strength to be able to face life which is not always easy but Life can be beautiful. It can be really hard too. And same thing goes with music. Music can be beautiful, but for some some people, music can be a difficult experience. And as powerful and as wonderful as music that music can be, music can also be harmful in certain ways. Music can trigger difficult memories. Music can be related to pain. Music can bring up emotions that are hard to feel. And so as a music therapist, it's also part of my job to help someone manage that and to help them through an experience that might be difficult for them and help them in a way that they might not be able to do with themselves or with someone who's not trained to do so. Good one. This one might be hard to answer because of our topic, but your favorite mm-hmm. self-care practice. Oh, nice. Oh, I have so many. You can name a few. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So well, first, I mean, my number one would be therapy and having my own therapist. And I've been in therapy since the very beginning of my career. And I still am because, you know, even if maybe there isn't a specific problem that I'm dealing with, you know, I'm always going to be a human and having insecurities and, you know, having things to make sense of. But even in therapy, sometimes it's celebrating the good times and, you know, having someone help remind me how far I've come and it's someone to help me not be so hard on myself. But therapy helps keep things in perspective. And also because I am working with people and I'm helping them with their self-care. I'm helping people um, recover from burnout or, you know, even in my music therapy clinical work, I'm helping people with mental health um, disorders or issues or problems. And it's so helpful for me to be a client and to remember what it's like to be a client. And I really believe that I'm a better clinician because I regularly put myself Uh, in the seat of being a client and it can be easy to lose touch with what it feels like to be a client because we're so used to being the therapist and the helper all the time but when we can practice receiving receiving the help receiving the support we can be better givers at at that and so therapy I would say just makes a tremendous difference in my life and it's something I just see as ongoing. And as long as I'm going to be a helping professional, I'm going to hold myself to 
being in therapy and being regularly being the clients. But um, yeah, therapy, it's just not that self-care practice that's always fun or enjoyable. I mean, sometimes it's so hard to like, you know, really face things that um, either have been avoiding or facing the harder parts of life. And so um, I guess a more enjoyable form of self-care that I like, I guess yoga would be one of them. I've been practicing yoga for a long time and um just taking walks outside. I love being able to just take a walk in some fresh air. I like to look at like the farthest points I can possibly see. And it like just helps me expand my awareness of the, and just help me feel like more of like a person on this planet earth rather than just in my own head. That's a good one. I'm going to try that looking at the farthest point. Yeah. Something that is currently adding value to your life. Oh, well, let's see. Well, I just bought, I bought new pillows for my bed. And so I'm reading a sleep book of why we sleep. And so I've been really focused on sleep. And so um, a couple weekends ago, my, my husband and I, we took, we took like a short, like two night vacation to, um, we went up to the mountains. We went to Pine Mountain. We got this Airbnb and this like little cabin. It was so cute and it was in nature and it was quiet and it was in the middle of all these pine trees and it was beautiful. But, like the thing I love most about this Airbnb was a bed had like these best pillows and they were so big and comfortable. And I was, I thought, oh my gosh, like, I wish I could have these pillows. And I thought, oh, why can't I? So I like I took off the pillowcase and like I um, took a picture of the the tag on the pillows. So I got home and then I went on Amazon to look for it. And I found it. And I was like, these pillows are only $33. Like I was expecting to, it to be really expensive for some reason. Because I've got pillows in the past and I remember it just being expensive and like that's probably why I haven't bought pillows in a long time, but ours are getting so flat and like deflated. I thought, wow, it's a $33. So I ordered two, one for me, one for my husband and it came. And then so I unpacked it, got it out and um, had such a good night's sleep. And like they just felt so like, luxurious and made me so I was like so excited to go to sleep that night to use these new pillows and the funny thing is the next day another package came from Amazon with two more pillows but what I didn't realize was that it actually came in a two-pack and so it was two pillows for $33 and I'd actually ordered four and I was like you know what why don't I I was you know expecting to you know spend $66 anyway I was like no, we're going to keep these other two pillows. And so we have like these four like big comfy pillows in our bed and it's changed the way I sleep. I'm so excited to go to sleep now. And it's definitely adding quality to my life, especially thinking about, you know, how many hours I do spend in bed. It's a huge percentage of the day. And so I am trying to work on like a mindset around, you know, being able to provide you know, if, or like if there is something I'm spending a lot of time in, like the chair I'm sitting in right now, I do spend now a lot of time at my computer. If a lot of time is involved to getting something that's really quality and not um, like depriving myself in that way. So yeah, pillows. <laughs> Your favorite intervention or song to use in a session? Oh, yeah. 
So I, let's see. Yeah, so my favorite song to use in a session, it's called Times Like These by the Foo Fighters. And his intervention is one that I I thought of in my internship. So I developed this as an intern and it, it just kept like, it stuck with me through my career. And it's funny, his intervention has been like, it's almost like my friend or like, it's like my co-therapist now. And it's really evolved over the years. But this song, Times Like These, I mean, it wasn't written as a music therapy song, but it's a perfect music therapy song. So for one thing, it can be like a hard rock song. It's by the Foo Fighters, the original version. You know, it sounds like a rock band. There's a point where he's like yelling, but there's an acoustic version of it too. So you can play it either way. It works as a fast song. It works as a super slow song. It's a perfect song to do like a song recreation um, exercise with it because the, the verses use these like metaphors and they're all I statements. The lyrics are like, I am a one-way motorway. I'm a road that drives away and leads you back home. But um, if you have a client fill in the blanks, they're creating I statements and they're describing themselves. And the song gives an example of like using metaphors to describe yourself or, you know, they don't have to, but it gives a nice example of how to describe yourself in a song and then the chorus is it's times like these you learn to love again it's times like these you learn to live again and so the chorus is you know it's times like these you know blank and someone can fill in the blank and what they're filling in the blank with is you know what they're dealing with in life and so them being able to describe themselves and then describe life in one song and then recreate the song but I've done this with individuals. I've done this in groups. Um, the song works with, with a huge age range. Like adolescents respond well to it. But even, um, you know, adults love it too. And it's um, it's also a song that can be like, it can be a lullaby. But I've had clients like recreated as a rap and it's really amazing how dynamic this song has been and I've actually also put out an ebook with uh, music therapy interventions and this is one of them and so I I the my ebook is called the harmony handbook and it's interventions for music therapists working in mental health settings with adolescents or adults and this is available at harmonyresource.com but of all the interventions in that ebook, this is the one I get the most comments on too. People emailing me like, wow, this intervention that works so well. And it's music therapists working in all different types of settings. And so, yeah, I just really love how um, it can be adapted to so many different populations and to different people. And um, yeah, the song itself makes me happy too. And I know like, you know, as a music therapist, we want to pick the client preferred music. And I do that as most of, as best as I can. But this song too, I was, um, I was also in the music video of this song too. So it like really reminds me of like a good time too. So I think it helps me bring a fresh energy and I don't like share the memory of my clients, but I think when they can tell I'm excited about a song or just, um, it's something that's meaningful to me. It's something that they can they can latch onto that meaningfulness too. But like I won this 
contest online of like to be an extra in the music video so I got to go to the video shoot for a few days and like meet the band and yeah so the song is meaningful to me too I'll link the music video <laughs> and everyone will have to watch and see if they yeah. find you in it you can't see me you can't really see me like there's a big crowd of people but I'm in there <laughs> that's awesome yeah so where can people find you, connect with you, all that good stuff? Yeah, so I have two websites. So I have harmonyresource.com. This is where you can find my ebooks. This website is specifically geared towards music therapists. And I have some blog articles on there. And um, I also have some of my services listed. Like I was providing clinical supervision and self-care coaching. My schedule is pretty full. You can find my um, the information on that if you want to get on my waiting list for that. So it's harmonyresource.com. And I also run selfcareinstitute.com. So that's where the Self-Care Institute lives. And this is where I have my self-care program, Resilience Over Burnout. Again, this is a 31 CMTE credit program that has been a um, approved by CBMT. And it's a very in-depth self-care program. It's self-paced. So you can take it at your own pace. You don't have to worry about deadlines. You can take as long as you want to complete the program. Everyone who has act, who um, registers has lifetime access to it. So you don't have to worry about being rushed or stressed while doing a self-care program because that would defeat the purpose. And I also offer like office hour calls through the program and the program itself can serve as a support to music therapists but on the self on selfcareinstitute.com I also um, I have articles on self-care there that I've written and that's what I'm really working on developing right now and um, you can also find me on social media on Instagram I'm Ami Kunimura and on uh, Facebook same thing I also have Facebook pages for my businesses but you can find those links through my websites awesome thank you so much for making the time to talk with me today uh, I agree with you that this topic needs to be discussed more yes yeah so thank you for talking about it too and yeah like I was, I was I was binge list listen to this podcast it's wonderful but I love how you are taking a self-care angle in your conversations and I really appreciate you asking these questions Trisha thank you thank you so much you're welcome well, enjoy the rest of your day make some time to ground yourself and drink some water before you move on yes. to the next thing <laughs> <laughs> yes so be kind to yourself everyone and Trisha thank you so much bye bye I feel like after this episode I just can take a nice deep breath and relax and feel good about myself and know that uh, the time I take to practice self-care, even in the small ways, uh, I'm reminded how important and justified <laughs> those things are. So I hope that you as well feel inspired to bring self-care into your life some more after listening to this episode. And check out the resources in the show notes for uh, different 
things that Ami has created for music therapists to incorporate self-care into their lives. All right, that's it for this week's episode, and I will catch you in the next one. Mm-hmm.